Let's, uh, let's all take about a minute and 38 seconds to greet somebody around you while I get a drink of water real quick. So <laughs> go ahead. Titan. All right, well, <clears throat> I got my water, so that means everybody has to be done being friendly. <laughs> so I, uh, I came across an article by a, a lady this week named Gretchen Rubin. Uh, as I was doing a little study and research for this message. And, and I can't say for sure, of course, but I, I don't believe she's a Christian, but I, I really enjoyed uh, some of the stuff that she wrote. Uh, she's a regular contributor to the magazine called Psychology Today. And uh, she has a, a monthly blog and podcast and stuff on, uh, on um, being happy, the focus of happiness. And, and she said she's often asked the question, if you had to pick just one thing, what, what is that one secret to a happy life? <laughs> I got an answer. She had an answer. Her answer is this. She said, strong bonds with other people. In other words, friendships, right? And she goes on to say that she believes that the wisdom of the ages and current scientific studies would uh, agree with her on that point. Um, and she then went on to talk about uh, uh, what she believed was the great value of friendships and some of the obstacles to achieving good friendships and all this type of stuff. And all in all, it was an interesting article. But of course, our main uh, concern is not what some author, some contributor to psychology today or, uh, has to say about friendship, right? Or, or about any other topic uh, for that matter. As Christians, we are far more concerned with what Scripture has to tell us about any given subject. And that brings us to our sermon by request for today. This, this person uh, wrote that they want to hear a sermon on what does the Bible say about good friends, okay? And uh, by the way, these, these little slips of paper are still available in the entryways, all three entryways. You can grab them, continue to turn in. If you've got things that you thought, man, I'd like to hear a sermon on whatever, you can turn that in. But this person, a uh, young teenager, s turned in this request. What does the Bible have to say about good friends? So we're going to be looking at several different verses, but most of them are going to come from Proverbs. So let's start there. Get your Bible opened up to the book of Proverbs. Uh, we'll, we'll begin by reading uh, Proverbs 18.24, because that's one of the ones we'll be looking at. Follow along as I read that out loud. It says this, A man of too many friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Father God, we are so thankful 
for the opportunity to be together this morning. Uh, we're just grateful for what you are doing. We believe you're continuing to do great things here in Hot Springs and in the surrounding area. Uh, God, you want to keep working. And we want you to work in our hearts and our lives. And we pray that you would do that this morning uh, through um, the service, through the prayers, the, the music, and now the message. God, speak to us. Take your hammer and chisel and work on us to mold us and make us into the people that you want us to be, the kind of church you want us to be. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's uh, <clears throat> far more uh, in the Bible about friendship and, and good friends than we can cover on one Sunday. So what I decided to do was just hit uh, some important principles uh, about friendship today and, and keeping in mind that this person made the request uh, of uh, what the Bible has to say about good friends. So keep that good part in, in focus. We'll, we'll look at that. But, but I want to start <clears throat> with a pop quiz question, actually two pop quiz questions, because I know how much you guys like quizzes. And, and, and so um, these ones I don't think are too hard. And, and if you get the first one, you'll probably get the second one too. It's, uh, um, but I, I'm just going to warn you that the first question borders on being a trick question. So, I mean, keep that in mind as, as, as you're going through it. But here's, here it is. Question number one. According to the Bible... Is God all you need? Maybe you've heard that phrase uh, before. God is all you need. According to the Bible, is God all you need? And since that's a simple yes or no question, so you've got a 50-50 chance of getting it right, we'll move on here. Second question. We, we know that the world is, is full of problems, right? Wars, murder, thieving, prejudice, abuse. I mean, just all kinds of issues. And all of it, of course, stemming from sin. So the second pop quest, uh, quiz question is this. What was the very first problem that God had to deal with in this world? You got your answers in mind? All right. So uh, you're thinking back to Genesis. was the first bad thing God to handle. You you got that in there. Uh, For the first question, is God all you need? And we'll see how brave people are here. Uh, Raise your hand if if you said, yes, God is all you need. Okay. A a couple of you. so then, how many answered no? Oh, yeah, a bunch more. God. All right, here's where the, the borderline trick question part comes in. How many of you answered both yes and no? Yeah, a few of you got that. All right, you guys, you guys got the right answer there on that. Uh, for the second question, I, I'm guessing that maybe many of you settled on the very, you know, what the first problem God had to deal with, the very first act of disobedience when, when Eve uh, took and ate of the fruit that was forbidden and, and, and Adam followed suit, did the same thing. And that first act of rebellion uh, has brought untold horrific consequences into this world as it, as it brought separation from God and, 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 and the curse and all this kind of stuff. But that is not actually the first problem God had to deal with. As you read the creation account, at the beginning of Genesis, you come across the phrase, it, 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 is, it was good, right? It was good over and over and over again. In fact, God emphatically declares at the end of it that it was very good. And so you keep reading that phrase until you get to verse 18 of chapter 2 when it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man 
to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. So before there was sin, right? Before there was any rebellion, there was one thing that God said wasn't good. One problem that he had to deal with. And that problem was the aloneness of man. So, is God all we need? Right? If God was all we need, then why did he say to Adam that he needed someone else, that it was not good for him to be alone? See, the truth is God created man with certain needs, right? On the physical level, right, we know we need oxygen and food and water in order to live. And on the human level, God created us with a need for relationship. And that is why he said it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. Did you know that solitary confinement is is one of the most feared punishments in the prison system? Uh, It was actually outlawed in the United States for a long time, um, but, uh, uh, you know, for about the past hundred years until like 1980s, they they again reinstituted the use of it uh, supposedly to, to help combat the war on drugs. But, you know, studies have shown that those in solitary confinement often develop symptoms that include uh, hallucinations, panic attacks, depression, loss of memory, uh, even signs of mental illness such as uh, uncontrollable shrieking, banging your head against the bars or the wall, or just simply sitting in a catatonic state in the middle of the room in in a puddle of your own urine and and feces. It's just... Uh, clearly, clearly is not good for man to be alone. Now, the truth is, God is all you need. But that's because God promises to be the source for everything you need, right? Uh, Philippians 4 says, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And the word all in that verse means every. He, 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 God will supply your every need. So even in extreme cases for like Christian uh, POWs or, or political prisoners that have been kept in solitary confinements, uh, uh, God has supernaturally met their need uh, for companionship in those times. But, but in normal everyday life situation, the way God has worked to meet the need for our relationship is through human companionship. God didn't walk up to Adam and say, hey, bud, I'm all you need, so just forget about other people, right? He, he met his need by providing a person for him, a human companion. And now maybe you say, well, you know, God didn't make a friend for Adam. He made a wife. But I would respond to that by saying, you know, your, your spouse ought to be your close and intimate friend. Uh, beyond that, of course, God made a spouse because he had other purposes in mind 
beyond just friendship. I mean, he was uh, establishing the family unit as the, as the basic uh, unit of society. He was providing the God-intended means for fulfilling his very first command, which was to be fruitful and multiply and all that kind of stuff. So God had more going on than just companionship, but companionship was at the root of what he was doing, and we know that because the stated issue that he says he's dealing with was the aloneness of man. And, and I say all of that, and I'm, I'm just belaboring that point to, to make it clear that the Bible says we need good human relationships. We, we need a good friend. And, and that, that, that human relationship is, is primarily met through, through friendships. You know, and obviously in many cases, uh, for a lot of people, a particular friendship grows into a marriage relationship. But, but keep in mind, friendship is still at the core. And friendship has to be at the core because this need for companionship is true for all people, including those who are single now or might be single for all their life. God didn't leave anybody out. We all have the capacity for relationship, and, and we all have that need for companionship, whether we're married or ever will get married or not. Companionship, friendship, is the cru crucial issue, not marriage. So, back to our question. What does the Bible have to say about good friends? Well, the very first thing, right, as we've just noted, is it says we need them. It's not just a want. Boy, I'd like to have a good friend. It's, it's a need. And then, how would you go about defining this need? What is a good friend? When I, and I think, first of all, I mean, obviously, uh, you, you have to talk about, uh, when you're talking about a good friend, you have to start with that point of closeness, right? The tightness of that bond. And a perfect illustration of that is with Jonathan and David. In the book of First Samuel, uh, chapter uh, 18, we read that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as himself. And that word knit in that verse means exactly what you think it would mean. That, that it was woven together. And obviously that's something that doesn't happen just immediately. Uh, it, it comes from sharing life experiences together. And, and did you notice in this verse that it appears that Jonathan was really the initiator in this relationship? That, 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 that he was the one that was, was, was moving forward with it? And, and that's really true in most friendship. It generally starts with one person reaching out to another person being willing to make that first connection. And, and sometimes, and maybe you've experienced this in life, you, you've met somebody and, and, and you walked up to say hi or they walked up to you to say hi, and man, you just started clicking right away. And, and sometimes that happens. Uh, other times, you might reach out and it might be a, a longer, slower process to where you develop into that type of good friends. But but that's the way most friendships start is, is some person initiating it. So, you know, if you're sitting there this morning and you're saying, man, I, I don't have any really close friends, and I'd like that. I, I mean, I see that that's necessary in the Bible, and I, I would like a good friend. Guess what I'm going to say to you? Call somebody, <laughs> you know, uh, reach out. 
just, just talk, ask somebody and say, hey, do you want to go? And then you fill in the blank with whatever it is that, that you're interested in, right? You want to go out and shoot guns with me? Go window shopping? Play golf? Have tea and crumpets? Crumpets, by the way, are really good. If you never had crumpets, warm out of the oven, slather with butter. Mm, oh yeah, I'd go do that. So, you know, whatever it is you're interested in. And, and, and you pick something you're interested in. Why? Because, because shared interests is often a, a basis for beginning to develop uh, a, a good friendship. And, um, and, and, and I can already hear it now. Uh, the introverts in, in the audience are going, oh, man, I... I can never do that. I couldn't be the one to call somebody. I just got to wait until somebody calls me or something. Um, you know, no, sometimes we have to work for things in life. But, but if that's too scary for you, then start by simply joining some different group or, or group activity that's non-threatening where you can slowly begin to get to know some others like our summer barbecues Nick was just talking about. They're going to be starting in a few weeks. I mean, they were designed for that very purpose. You don't have to be an extrovert to show up and eat a hamburger, right? You, 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 can, you can do that. Uh, you just go for it. And, and I know, I know for an introvert, that's still a scary thing. You know, it's a group thing, and, and, and there's some risk involved, and it's scary. But here's the deal. It's worth it. It's worth the risk. It's worth the work to say, I'm going to put myself in that position where God can meet this need that I have for a good friend. So, so go for it. And, and so since God uh, says we have this need uh, for friendship, he then provides some excellent uh, guidelines and advice concerning that relationship and what we need that. And, and that's what I want to spend the rest uh, of our time on this morning, uh, just looking at a few of those guidelines and biblical principles for good friendship. And for this, we'll, we'll move back into the book of Proverbs. And our first one comes with that verse that we looked at at the beginning this morning, Proverbs eighteen twenty four, where it says, A man of too many friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a, a brother. And I know, you know, many times people have used that to refer to Jesus Christ this, as the friend who sticks closer than the brother. And that's, that is a, a good application. But that's not what this verse was talking about. It wasn't referring to Jesus. It was referring to the fact that you can develop that kind of relationship, that bond, that relationship with another person that would be so close and so tight that it, that's even better than a brother. And, and, of course, that's assuming that, you know, you had a brother that cared about you, um, which in this broken world is not always the case, right? Our family situations weren't. But this is talking about the, the ideal, the, the, the way God designed it. And God designed families to be close. And, and I, I know with my own brother, I mean, uh, there's nothing he wouldn't do for me, I wouldn't do for him. Now, that wasn't true necessarily when we were younger, but after we both got out of the house, we got a lot closer uh, together uh, than, than in the house. But even in the house, uh, he would, he, he would uh, frequently uh, beat me up and then show how much he cares about me. Um, both, you know, it's, it's just kind of the way brothers work. But, but there's this friend. And, and here's the principle from this verse. Quality is far more important than quantity. And don't take that the wrong way. This verse is not saying that it's wrong to have several friends or even a bunch of friends, right? But if you're trying to make everybody 
your friend, you're going to get in trouble. You're going to wind up broken into pieces, which is the literal meaning of that word ruin in that verse. Uh, you'll end up shattered. Uh, it's okay to be friendly to everybody. In fact, that's a, that's a good quality. But in terms of developing deep, close, good friendships, few is better than many. I mean, if you have many, those relationships will never be anything more than surface level and shallow. And that's not going to cut it when life gets tough. Which again, this verse is referring to tough parts of life, isn't it? When you need them there. So pick a person or a couple of people and get to know them intimately. Any idea how you do that? Spend time. Spend time together. Talk together. Do things together. Find someone you can safely begin to share your soul with so that your souls can become knit together like Jonathan and David. A true friend is someone who knows your deepest, darkest secret and still loves you. You know, there's, there's mainly two different Hebrew words that were translated as friends in the, in the book of Proverbs. And, and the one in this verse literally means lover. Uh, but it's not talking about lover in terms of romantic love, boyfriend, girlfriend, this type of thing. Instead, it's referring to the kind of love that Jonathan and David had for each other, a love that cares deeply about this other person, where their needs become more important than, than your own and where protecting their feelings is more important to you than protecting your own. It's also where you choose to suffer harm for yourself rather than in letting anything bad happen to the other person. And, of course, you see that in the story of Jonathan and how he treated David very much. That's the true love of friendship that this verse is talking about. And you know what? You can't do that with a bunch of people, too many people. That's why a man of too many friends comes to the room. You, you can only do that with a small, limited number to go deep like that, to love them in that kind of way. So quality, not quantity, is the first principle, which leads then right into the second principle, uh, for developing good friends. Uh, when you're developing good friends, you have to be selective. Okay? Uh, Proverbs 13.20 puts it this way. He who walks with the wise will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. And that phrase, walks with, and you'll see that walks with uh, throughout the Bible, even people like Enoch walking with God, uh, that, that's a Hebrew euphemism for friendship. It's not talking about two people who just happen to be strolling the same direction down a path, right? Uh, to walk with someone means that you're joined with them. Uh, you're like-minded with one another. So it's talking about people who are in relationship with one another. They are good friends. In fact, you, you see that word companion in there? Actually, that, that word companion is the same Hebrew word translated as friend. So you can read friend whenever you come across that companion. Basically, this verse is a statement about the huge power of peer pressure. And you can experience either positive peer pressure or negative. And which direction you're influenced, either good or bad, is going to depend on the friends you choose. And make no mistake about it, you will be influenced by the people you hang around with. But especially by your 
good friends. In fact, the closer you are in that relationship with another, the greater the influence they have on you, even if you don't notice it or see it. I, I, I remember this with my best friend from when I was a kid. Uh, most of you who know me well know that I have no fashion sense. If I ever look good, it's because my wife picked out the right shirt and pants and stuff like that. And I've been like that my whole life. I just really didn't care what I was wearing. And, and, and so, you know, I'm running around dressed like I'm normally dressed with my best friend. We're in junior high, seventh grade, I think, or whatever, like this. And one time he made a comment about what a dork this other person was because they're wearing a belt. Because belts weren't, apparently they were not in there. And I looked down at myself and well, I was wearing a belt up until that day. <laughs> After that, what did I do? Stopped wearing a belt. Why? Because of the power, peer pressure, influence of a friend. I didn't want to be a dork. I didn't want to, well, I really didn't care if I was a dork. But in his eyes, I didn't want to be a dork, right? Because he was my friend. It's amazing the power uh, of, of a good friend will have on you. And, and because of that truth, that's why Proverbs warns us about people to beware of. He tells us to be selective when choosing your good friends because they are going to have influence on just like the verse we, we just looked at, right? You don't want to be a companion of fools. They're going to they're influence you. And if you're not sure what a fool is, then read the book of Proverbs because it will define for you what a fool is. Uh, a fool is this, is this person who... who um, denies God or resists God, a, a person who resists discipline, who resents their parents or their parents' discipline, who is given to um, uh, corruption, who uh, uh, spurns good knowledge. I mean, you just go on and on through the book of Proverbs, you'll find out what a fool is. It says, hey, don't walk with them because they're going to have an influence on you. It gives us some others. Proverbs 22 says this, Do not associate with a man given to anger or, or, or go with a hot-tempered man or you will learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. I mean, being hot-tempered seems to be rampant in our society, isn't it? I mean, the people spewing venom on Facebook and other social media, I mean, that's just endemic. It's all over the place. I saw a news article just this week, again, it's not the first time. That's the, that's the crazy thing about it. It's not the first time a news article, some lady attacked the McDonald's worker because she gave her the wrong order. I mean, physically leaped over the counter and attacked her. And this kind of stuff is going on. And, and, and the Bible says, man, don't hang around with people like that or you're going to find yourself taking on those characteristics of hot tempers. Proverbs 16.29 says, A man of violence entices his neighbor and leads him in a way that is not good. That word neighbor, guess what? Same Hebrew word, friend. In fact, if you read in, in Proverbs and you read companion, neighbor, friend, that's all the same Hebrew word. So you can read them as friend every time. Um, in, in the book of uh, uh, your, your friend, you can entice you to do things you wouldn't normally do. You know why? Because you're your, they're your friend. And you want, you want to please them. You, you want to look good in their eyes. That's why you have to be selective when choosing 
your friends, they're going to have a huge impact on you. Now, obviously, as I say that, understand nobody's perfect, right? Everybody is, is going to have some flaws. The danger is that we tend to overlook major character issues that the Bible warns us against. So if you're developing a close relationship, you want to look for a person that consistently, again, not perfectly, but consistently displays the kind of character and attitude that you would like to see in yourself. Because whatever it is you see in your close friend, that's eventually what you're going to see when you look in the mirror. We could say a lot more about that, but let's keep moving. A third principle of friendship comes from chapter 17, verse 17. A friend loves at all times. Yeah, a a true friend is going to be loyal and committed. And again, obviously, this is not something that that just happens immediately in most situations, but but grows over time as that friendship deepens and it's proven and tested over the long haul. But, But a true friend is someone that you can count on, someone that you know will be there for you no matter how ugly things get. Uh, they're going to be there for you when you need them. Proverbs 27.10 puts it this way, Do not forsake your friend or, or your father's friend and do not go to your brother's house in the day of calamity. Better is a neighbor, friend, that same word, friend, who is near than a brother who is far away. You know, it's a real shame how many stories I've heard that begin with the phrase, I used to have a really good friend, but. And then, you know, the stories kind of vary after that point for details, but they all come back to the same point, that friendship was broken. It was abandoned. It was lost. True friendships are worth working for. Therefore, we, we won't forsake them or let them die when things get rough. And, and, and things will get rough, right? Because we're all still prone to sin. And sin makes you say and do stupid things. Anybody here agree with that? Sin makes you say and do stupid things. So real and lasting friendships, they take a healthy dose of grace and forgiveness. And we need to frequently employ those two attributes because real friendships are worth the work and the effort. Again, we could say a lot more, but I just have one more principle that I want to touch uh, before we finish uh, and wrap things up for today. The fourth principle is this. True friends are honest with each other even when being honest is hard. Proverbs 25 or 27, 5 and 6 says this, Better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. Concealed, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. You know, we can come up with all kinds of excuses for not being honest. And believe me, I, I, I know we can do that because I've, I've done it myself. You know, we say things like, well, that might harm the relationship. It could hurt their feelings. I don't want to be honest because it will hurt their feelings. Or it might make them think less of me. Or 
I mean, it won't really matter if I don't say anything. You know, lots and lots of excuses we can come up with, and they sound reasonable in the moment, but none of them are being a true friend because the best friendships are built on honesty and trust, and trust is only built through honesty. It's, it's, it's actually an enemy who's always going to flatter you and tell you the things that you want to hear. A true friend will be willing to wound you knowing that ultimately it's for your good. So what does the Bible say about good friends? Well, first of all, it says that they're valuable, that you you need them. And then it gives this guidance on what to look for in good friends. You want quality, not quantity. You need to be selective because good friends will have a huge influence on your life. A true friend, someone who's faithful and loyal even through the tough times, and they will be honest with you even when it's hard. But there's one final thing I want to end with. Yes, you want to be diligent to look for those qualities in a good friend. But remember, it's just as important to be what you're looking for. If you want a good friend, then be a good friend. Don't be shallow. Dive deep into quality. Be that positive peer pressure that others need so that they'll want to select you as a friend. Be loyal. Be someone that other, another person can count on. And be trustworthy. Build that deep relationship through honesty, even when it might be hard. When it comes to friends, be what it is you hope to find. Because that'll be the biggest powerful aspect of building friendship in your life. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the practical application and encouragement your word gives us in, in such a needed area. God, we all need friends. And, and, and you've designed the church to be that place where friendship should grow and blossom and, and bear good fruit. Because we know the world is looking for that kind of real relationship that you've designed us to have with one another here. So God, help us um, to put into practice these aspects of being a good friend so that we can all experience the benefits you've designed for us in that relationship. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.